Sick Harrison Price for June 23rd, 2023. We're coming to you from the Wall Center downtown, our fabulous street front studio at the corner of Nelson and Hornby. But don't forget about the Weston Wall Center at YVR featuring the fabulous dining at The Apron. You know there's nothing in the fridge when you come home from your vacation. So on the way home, stop at The Apron. Eat well. Sakara Surprise featuring Jeff Patterson today with Matt away for a little early getaway. We're on our way to do some golfing, and uh, he needed the extra getaway day, so Jeff's in his stead. Yeah, I give him a head start, exactly. <laughs> he drives like a grandpa, so he needed to make sure he got ahead of me. Um, welcome. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah? Yeah. Watched the Lions steamroll Winnipeg last night. We're getting closer to... The NHL draft, so uh, yeah, things happening. Yeah, we uh, we got some news, uh, believe it or not, on the uh, Vancouver Canucks, which we'll uh, we'll get to in just a second. Um, wanted to unveil the Bodog poll question first and foremost, but first wanted to remind you what happened yesterday with regards to the Bodog poll question. And yesterday we asked you, are you okay with the Canucks surrendering assets to trade up? from number 11 at the NHL draft. There were times throughout the day yesterday, Jeff, where this was on the button, and we go to the the first number past the decimal, the tenths, if you will, and it was 50.0 really? on each side. I thought there would have been out- outrage. I, I answered on Twitter that like the idea of them now parting with assets to move up when they had the stretch run there yep. to massage their lineup that could have had them picking seventh or eighth or ninth rather than and who knows like look if they're going to step up and take a massive swing and try to move into the top five that's different but if you're parting with assets to move up a couple of spots like I just didn't think that this fan base would be on board with something like that so I'm surprised to hear that it was as close as it was I still think that the the nose carried the day. Well, it's a no at 51.5, wow. um, 48.5% saying yes. So very, very close indeed. And uh, ultimately, there's uh, not much separating. Everybody seems to have the same sort of reaction to a Graham. Depends on the assets. Can't see them having enough assets to trade up, though. Uh, the Lego Batman saying it's still more likely the Canucks pay a bad t- pay a team to take a bad contract so they can continue their bad spending habits on <laughs> July the 1st. Um, so a lot of depends. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that's probably the right answer, ultimately, factually. There's just not enough to to, to, to move up. If you got a full cupboard, maybe, but that's not the Vancouver Canucks. Right. And and so, you know, are we talking about a Hoagland? Are we talking about Pod Coles and Arthur Sillaws? Like, those are their trade chips, it would seem. Um, and, obviously, if you're moving up, the 11th pick would be, I would think, in that mix as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think, like, it's fine. I mean, Patrick Alvin raised some eyebrows when he floated that notion of moving up. But I think when all is said and done, they'll use that 11th pick and walk away with uh, what should be a pretty good player. Our Bulldog poll question for today asking, do you want the Canucks to continue with theme nights, even if the players don't wear jerseys? in warm-ups uh it's posted on our twitter socials of course at sakaris and price all this coming out of the fact that uh it has been announced after the board of governors meetings yesterday that theme nights will 
continue um, per club uh, you know discretion, but the players will not be wearing any themed jerseys in warmups. And all of this comes from the Pride Night abstentions from a handful of players, um, and it's only from Pride Night. Um, let's be abundantly clear. Um, they're they're going to talk about this affecting. Oh, we're doing this for military appreciation night too. No more jerseys. Yeah, but nobody has ever voiced any opposition to any of the other nights. Diwali here in town. Um, Lunar New, Lunar New Year. Year. Yeah, exactly. So Black History Month. So, Last year they had the Indigenous themed yes. jerseys. So all of that gets washed out because of a handful of players, not even in town here. Uh, one here in town, um, voicing opposition and and wanting to to not wear it. Which, uh, honestly, Jeff, if you don't want to wear it, fine, that's your choice. If you're so embarrassed by that that you feel singled out, well, maybe that says more about your choice than anything than anything else. But um, this is uh, being roundly criticized. Right. I I, I want to know: Did a single governor stand up in that room and say no to Gary Bettman? Did a single governor tell the commissioner that that's not what leadership looks like. Of course, it's a closed-door meeting, so we'll never get an answer to that. But it's just, to me, it's incredible, and maybe it shouldn't be based on what we know about the Board of Governors and the way the NHL operates and markets. But uh, it just... Look, the Canucks have been leaders in this area for a lot of those nights that we mentioned, Diwali and the Lunar New Year, uh, and they've done such a great job with those. Like those warm-up jerseys have become featured events on the schedule. Like people, I think they're buying tickets to be a part of those nights. They're spending money to buy the, mm-hmm. the uniforms, and like, yeah, it affects marginalized groups. It affects groups that again don't feel like they are welcome in National Hockey League rinks. But it goes beyond that as well, because it's not just the groups that are affected here. I mean, these special event jerseys have produced some incredible art. Mm-hmm. And you think of the platforms for local artists to show off their talents and to introduce their work to a you know, a different realm. And then that gets wiped out, or does it? Because there is still a path here, and I hope the Canucks go down this. I hope they still go through with coming up with these special themed jerseys. Wear them in practice the day before. Autograph them. Put them up for auction because these teams, and it's not just the Canucks, but teams have done a nice job in raising money and supporting some of these causes. And it feels like that's trying to be wiped out. But I hope that the individual teams will say, all right, like we're not allowed to wear these themed jerseys for warm-up, but there are ways around this that can still celebrate these communities, that can try to promote inclusivity because that ultimately is what it's all about if this group of eight or ten or whatever the number got to i don't even think it got to double digits in terms of individual players you know they win right like they come out the winners in this yesterday yeah they ruin it for so many there are a lot of players that i think embraced the opportunity to welcome fans from different communities and different backgrounds and it just it seems so short-sighted. It's a head-in-the-sand move again. A bunch of rich white guys who can't be bothered to stand up for a cause, essentially, is what it comes down to. And, you know, I do think that some of the players lose out. Because, uh, let's be honest, the wide majority of the players support these initiatives. They, they want to spread love and positivity, and they want people to know 
that they're welcome in the rinks. And so it just, it, it, you're right, though. It's not about Diwali or Lunar New Year. Uh, this was the NHL's way of getting around uh, the distraction, and that was the word that Gary yeah, Batman used, imagine? of Pride Night. And, uh, of course, there are gay players in the NHL. Imagine how they feel right now. Um, you know, it's... Uh, is so exclusionary and it's um, it's embarrassing. I mean, there's in and every sports league, you know, embarrasses itself to some degree. But man, does it feel like hockey does such a great job of embarrassing itself sometimes? Well, and, and look, we said it when Kuzmenko made his decision here. Like wearing a warm up jersey with a rainbow on it isn't asking you to endorse a lifestyle, and it certainly isn't going to make you gay. So, like, what is the fear for huh? the ten hmm. players? Yeah. You know, who make this more of an issue than it had to be. Again, it's about sending the right message that anybody and everyone is welcome at an NHL game. And look, do you believe in inclusivity? Like, to me, that it boils down. Do you believe in inclusivity? It's a simple question. If you don't, you're a bigot, plain and simple. And so quit using religion as a shield, as they all do. They play the games on Pride Night, right? Like mm-hmm. They, they want to sit out, warm up, or they won't wear the jersey, but they play... On Pride Night, and that doesn't seem to bother them, but they can't bring themselves to pull on a warm-up jersey that sends a message for 20 minutes that everybody, everybody is welcome in an NHL ring. They'll get 10 stitches in an intermission and get back on the ice and play the game, but a rainbow mm-hmm. scares the shit out of them for some reason. That's the Bodog poll question. Do you want the Canucks to continue with theme nights even if the players don't wear jerseys and warm-ups? Brought to you by Bodog, our uh, Bodog line of the day. First one, at least, the Whitecaps into L.A. to take on LAFC. Uh, this is the downside of them not playing the game on Wednesday is they've uh, now been off the pitch for two straight weeks. Really had hopes that they play that game on Wednesday, get some momentum, and then look their best versus LAFC. I guess you could say they get they're well rested. There's no question about it. <laughs> have anyway, they, have they dried out? Though? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, if they can pull it off, plus four hundred, plus four hundred for the Whitecaps to get their first win of the season against a very good LAFC team. Um, elsewhere, regarding the Vancouver Canucks, the preseason schedule has been announced. And I don't know that I've ever been so excited to announce a preseason <laughs> schedule because um, there's no weird teams coming in. Like testing yourself against Arizona. I know it's preseason anyway. Like I guess who cares who you're playing? But you remember that though last year the preseason finale, this watered down Arizona Coyotes team limped in here on its way to Boise for the next night. They were playing yeah. Vegas in Boise. Thatcher Demko pitched a seven save shutout. Yeah. Like that's a finale. That was supposed to be the Canucks' final tune-up. Like, what are you gaining? You're not out? tuning anything up, well, other than the Coyotes. Yes. Uh, so six games. The first three on six? the road. Did you say six? just six? Wow. Not eight. We've had upwards of eight. Wow. I think there might have been a season of nine. And way usually, back when. at least in recent years, has started with a split squad game. So they've knocked two off on the same night. But that's still you're icing two teams, yeah. two lineups, and yeah. And it's and it's sort of still a. Uh, it's a bit of a bait and switch for fans too. When you do, when you do these sort of things, you kind of expect to be maybe entertained, maybe get some news. But when there's nobody really playing, you just feel like, why? For for what benefit? Now again, fringe players are going to argue, hey, this is one last one bit of a a chance to make an impression taken away from them. But uh, six games is still a lot of games. Uh, how how many games does Quinn Hughes need to get ready? 
I mean, tops four, maybe even three games right. to get ready. So there's still going to be opportunity for the fringe players to make an impression on the coaches. They start with three road games. They end uh, with three home games, sort of, because mm-hmm. the middle of those three home games is actually out in Abbotsford, which is a nice little gesture. Because um, why not have a full barn? Yeah, I'm sure they'll come close to filling up the barn for that night. Um, and it's just the Alberta teams in Seattle, which makes a ton of sense, too. Yeah, and it'll be the fourth straight year that they have played a preseason game in Abbotsford. They've played Ottawa. They've played Calgary. Last year, McDavid was out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, it's Seattle. So they're mixing it up in that regard. Uh, the one thing that jumped out to me was three straight on the road to start, including back-to-backs, Edmonton and Seattle. So they'll probably send two very different-looking lineups uh, to those games. But again, with the ongoing construction, this uh, ice-level executive uh, suite or premium suite that they're building, uh, and the new scoreboard, this feels like by starting with three on the road, they're buying themselves another, another week, week yep, here for sure. to make sure that everything's buttoned down in that regard. And then just the two games at Rogers Arena, September 30th against the Oilers, and uh, they finish on October 6th against the Calgary Flames, and uh, yeah, they're not uh, you know having to travel far here. Um, it's relatively short and hopefully sweet. And you know, six games to me is enough, even with Rick Tockett and a relatively new coaching staff here. They had the thirty-six games last year, so they've got a handle on what they've got to work with. And I think six games is plenty. The other sort of quirk in the preseason schedule that jumped out at me was the first game, September twenty-fourth at Calgary. It actually overlaps with training camp. Training camp on paper is September 21st to the 25th over in Victoria. And so uh, a group of players obviously will depart the provincial capital, fly to Calgary and play a game. And then we'll see if they come back and finish up camp or if they just come back here to Vancouver. But uh, the other thing is uh, with training camp in Victoria, remember last time they were there, they played the Flames as sort of their finale of training camp. That is not the case. The only neutral site game uh, is the one in Abbotsford. Yes, they uh, do finish off that preseason schedule against the Flames. That's on the Friday before the season opens. Now, we don't have the, the season schedule just yet, um, but usually it's a Wednesday start. So if it is, that's quite a gap. they got five days off in between the season opener. I mean, that's even if they're on the schedule on the night that, uh, that the NHL races the current. I think some days they've opened on Tuesdays even. So, you know, they'll probably have a four- to five-day respite in between the end of their preseason schedule. Um, by the way, you mentioned 21st is the start of training camp. Just a reminder, 15th to 18th is the Young Stars up in Penticton. We hope to be uh, on site, as we usually are, doing a show at least from, normally it's from neighborhood, but Yellow Dog's now got a spot up there as well. So mm. we'll be the, either at Yellow Dog or uh, neighborhood for uh, a show up in Penticton for Young Stars. And uh, Oilers Flames taking part in that as well as the Jets. No Kraken involved in Young Stars, of course. Uh, Flames, the first and last game on the preseason schedule. Who's taking part in those games <laughs> is anybody's Man. bet because the Flames are melting, quite literally. Um, quite a series of tweets yesterday from Frank Saravelli in particular, um, but uh, many of the other insiders have piggybacked on it to some degree as a lot of the veterans on that flame squad are jumping ship or are telling the flames they are about to jump ship when their contracts expire. And I have questions about that because Daryl Sutter not being there to me would have been um, attractive enough if I'm a flames player to, Oh, let's give this another shot. But the fact that Brad's for living 
almost was given a bit of an open door. I thought the door was open a crack for him to come back after the Daryl Sutter departure. I wonder if he was given a call and he said, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in coming back. Like, I, I wonder if the Flames just like, yeah, I know Daryl's gone. But I just don't want to be a part of whatever's going on in the front office and, and they're ready to move on. I don't know. Well, I think the hockey world was sort of taken aback yesterday by that series of tweets from Cervelli, as you said, Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, Michael Backlund. And then there was a slight gap as everybody sort of processed the news. And then Cervelli lofts another grenade out there that former Canuck Tyler Toffoli also has indicated that he wants out. Now, Tyler Toffoli is into the final year of a ridiculously attractive $4.25 million contract. Just turned 31. Coming off a career-high 34 goals. He had 10 more goals than any other Calgary Flame last season. Like, that was a team that struggled to put pucks in the net. But Toffoli didn't. 73 points. And, of course, this is all on the heels of last summer. Johnny Gaudreau walking away and Matthew Kachuk wanting out. So, it does make you wonder. Like, it was it Daryl Sutter? Is there more going on here? Um, clearly, uh, they can't get the new rink built quickly enough there in Cowtown, but uh, they've got to deal with the Saddle Dome for a few more years at the very least. Uh, you know, the trickle-down is, what does this team look like on the ice, and then how does that impact the Vancouver Canucks? Because they're division mates and rivals, and you know, I think a lot of people thought, all right, Sutter's out of the mix, they bring in Ryan Huska, breath of fresh air, but they've still got a lot of talent that they should be a better team. Like Jacob Markstrom, wildly inconsistent last year, if they can get any kind of goaltending out of Markstrom, it felt like there's enough talent there for them to be a team that the Canucks would have to climb over. Now all bets are off. Like, you know, hey, Craig Conroy, congrats on the job. Like, get after it. I mean, they brought Jerome McGinley back as a special advisor. I think Jerome McGinley might be their uh, top-line right winger when all is said. He and Conroy may may form two-thirds of the team's top line uh, the way this thing is headed. And Harvey the Hound, too. I would think that Toffoli would be awfully interesting to a lot of teams around the National Hockey League at his price point and with his productivity. Yeah, he's... uh, he's you know, not super flashy in terms of how he goes about his business, but he ultimately does get the job done and at a very tolerable cap hit of 4.25 for this coming season. Um, you wonder if there's a fire sale coming. Now, guys like Backland, I mean, you're 34. What could you possibly be expecting? Uh, but Lindholm to Foley, because it's just one year, there's no risk there. Um, man, oh man, interesting decisions to come. And of course, uh, Hannafin as well. So, We'll see what happens with the Flames going forward. But, you know, we talked, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks about, you know, this playoffs or bust for the Vancouver Canucks and who they're going to have to deal with in the division. Maybe they don't have to deal with the Flames. I mean, if there's That's a fire good. sale, maybe there's a bit of a reset and and it's just not something, uh, a team that they have to contend with uh, at that level. We'll monitor uh, over the next few weeks. There just seems to be a lot of chatter uh, about the possible, and I know I, I have been guilty of being excited about frenetic activity before in the National Hockey League that just has never come to pass. But because the free agency class is so murky slash crappy, um, I wonder if trades are going to be the order of the day here, especially leading up to free agency, because you're you're going to want to know what business you've been able to conduct before July 1st so that guides your hand after July 1st. I wonder if we see a lot between now and the end of of the NHL draft. 
Well, and just the way that uh, it's all crammed together this year. The mm-hmm. first night of the draft is Wednesday, and then the second day is full day Thursday. And then everybody's going to be scrambling to get out of Nashville, back to their war rooms, and free agency opens next Saturday. So are they laying groundwork? Will they con- you know, consummate trades on the draft floor? Will they you know, circle back after that first day of free agency if teams don't get what they want and revisit conversations that they had uh, in Nashville? I- I'm expecting some explosive things. I just The draft almost always produces some big-time deals. And, of course, last year, remember Patrick Alvin and Lou Lamorello were seen on the draft floor, and that was one of the storylines. But, you know, the Canucks have been involved in draft day deals. J.T. Miller, uh, the ill-fated OEL Connor Garland deal went down just ahead, hours ahead of the draft, go way back. Roberto Luongo uh, was acquired on the eve of the draft back in 2006. So the Canucks have a history of making things happen around the draft, and we'll see if that continues here in the next couple of days. It's the anniversary of that Roberto Luongo uh, acquisition, ah. um, and it's one day past his own draft anniversary, so lots of Luongo <laughs> uh, anniversaries going on right now. Uh, earlier in the week, I referred to the BC Lions versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as a uh, mini Grey Cup just because, hey, two of the uh, expected powerhouses of the league going toe-to-toe early in the season, it, it really wasn't that because the Lions never let the Bombers get into the game. It was, you know, again, not an offensive masterpiece, but it was pretty darn good. It was a defensive masterpiece once again, really third week in a row. The Lions are 3-0 and oh, and haven't bitten a nail along the way. Yeah, win 30-6 to six in Winnipeg last night. They do it without Dominic Rimes and Keon Hatcher, like two of their top yeah. receivers. Big deal. They've got this arsenal to deal with that uh, Vernon Adams, uh, he looked sharp from the start, answered a Winnipeg field goal with a touchdown to start the game. I thought that was important. And then a big touchdown, final seconds of the first half that really sent a message, I thought, to the Bombers. Alex Hollins was incredible, stepped up uh, eight catches, 84 yards, had a touchdown as well. But really, this was about the defense, as you said, holding the Bombers to six points on home turf a week after the Lions pitched a shutout. And I would say that holding Winnipeg to six points, more of an accomplishment than blanking the Edmonton Elks who look like they're going to struggle again. But yeah. these are the Bombers we're talking about. They've been the best team in the CFL for a bunch of years now. And that defensive front last night in Zach Kolaris's face all night long, seven sacks, three of them from Matthew Betts, who was an absolute beast. And look, some who watch this league closer than I do called that the Lions' best win since the 2011 Grey Cup, which is pretty high praise. Uh, but it's hard to argue. Like, I mean, they, you're right. Like, you know, they're not lighting up the scoreboard, but when your defense has given up a grand total of 21 points in three games, you don't need to score 40 or 50 points. No. I, I mean, in 30 is fine. Like, if that's going to be Vernon Adams' offense, where they score 25 to 30 every night and have this defense... Like it could sounds be quite like a run. A, sounds like a solid recipe to me. And you know, two of the three wins have come on the road too. They started in Calgary, came home, they beat Edmonton, now in Winnipeg. They're in Toronto for the next game on July the third, and we'll see. You know, how far can they push it? How far can they remain undefeated? But if people were on the fence, but you know, bought into the pregame hype of LL Cool J and everything else. You know, the actions on the field here are speaking for themselves that this team may not need a pregame concert to get people on board. So good on the BC Lions. 3-0, they certainly uh, have uh, you know got the attention 
of people around the CFL. Now it's a question of can they get the attention of the you know the broader fan base, the the sort of casuals that uh, maybe have been away from the CFL for a little while. And kudos to football ops here for uh, not letting the departure of Nathan Rourke no. um, stunt the upward arc of this team. Because, man, oh, man, it would have been uh, borderline disastrous, to be honest. If I mean, if this team's 0-3 with Nathan Rourke gone, um, the questions that would surround this team and viability, it would be so noisy. Uh, no such questions right now with the team. A perfect 3-0 and out of the gate. Um, Caps, as mentioned in the Bodog line of the day, still out on the road. Uh, one one less game here because uh, of the cancellation versus the Colorado Rapids. It's a tough out versus LAFC. Here's the problem for the Caps right now is there is no, there's only middle class in the Western Conference. Um, right now, I mean, if the Caps could, and this is dare to dream because they don't have a road win. If they even won back-to-back road games, they would be vying for first place in the conference. Like, that's all it would take. Like, if you told this team, and I hope Andy does, guys, you got two road wins, and you'd be knocking on the door first place. I would hope you'd run through brick walls to make that happen. They've got some departures, some guys that aren't with the team. Julian Gressel, most notably, with the U.S. Men's National Team. That doesn't help. But other teams are beset by these sorts of absences as well. Can't let that be an excuse. Um, man, I just don't know. that It's been a long time since we've seen the Whitecaps this deep into the season this close to first place, but on the very flip side, you lose these two games, you're below the playoff bar. The road thing is remarkable. I get the challenges, and I get trying to rack up points at home and then take your chances on the road, but the, the discrepancy under Vanny, home and away, it, it, it boggles my mind, and it yeah. makes very little sense, and maybe Vanny should uh, borrow from Rick Campbell and uh, say, hey, like... BC Lions going to Winnipeg. People say you don't have a chance there. No, they punch the bombers in the face. You know, the Caps have to do that at some point. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to rise up here and punch one of these opponents in the mouth out on the road. And why not make it LAFC this weekend? Yeah, and, and LAFC just came off an eight-game stretch where they didn't get a win. Uh, they, they snapped that uh, a few days back against KC. But this team is fallible. Like they, they can suffer defeats. Uh, Caps would do well to uh, get themselves back into the win column with the victory. And uh, just for kicks and giggles, the Vancouver Canadians won another match. Uh, it was a match. I'm still in soccer speak here. Won another game. Um, they finished off the first half. They didn't need to do anything. They already won the first half title. Um, but 13-2 to down in Eugene, Oregon, a season-high 17 hits, so they are still romping, even though they knew they had the banner in hand. They're still not back in town until the 27th, but get your tickets now. Um, you can have your cake and eat it too now at Nat Bailey Stadium. You get to watch a winning club, maybe a juggernaut here uh, in the Northwest League, um, and have all the amenities that Nat Bailey has to offer. Yeah, and spring became summer, and yes. of course uh, they are the boys of summer, so into July and August, putting an entertaining product on the field. Of course, uh, we all know that it's an entertaining day at the ballpark, so yeah, if you haven't had a chance to get out to the Nat yet this season, do it, and maybe pay a little more attention than you normally would yes. to the product on the field, because uh, uh, this is a winning team that has already punched its ticket to the playoffs. Time for the golf report brought to you by the legendary Arnold Palmer designed Whistler Golf Club. Of course, in fabulous condition, always is the way that they maintain that course to make sure that they never have a bad day. 
the way they do the micro punching of the greens. I mean, you don't have to worry about arriving to like a sand trap on the green ever. Uh, it's just amazing maintenance. If you've got a group of 12 or more, you, the group organizer, play for free. All you have to do is tell them about your group and they'll take care of the rest. Do so. WhistlerGolf.com forward slash groups. And uh, no Mackenzie Hughes this week at the Travelers Championship. And uh, Well, there, there was. Yeah, there was. <laughs> he, he made it there. Yep. Barely. He, quite a tale that he has shared with the world now. Kidney stones, which uh, oh. thankfully I have not uh, had to battle with. But uh, Matt Hughes got a bad case of the kidney stones erupting on the flight from the U.S. Open to Travelers. He was that guy on the flight. You're like, what is going on with that guy? He did a lot of commotion. Had, had to go charter, lay down. Charter flight with a bunch of players and caddies. Yeah. Um, so he's got his buddies, his peers, and he said he wasn't feeling well. And yeah, it got to the point where the pain was unbearable. Trying to lie down at the front of the plane had to be ambulanced. Once Started plane, vomiting too. Yeah, when the plane touched down, had to be taken by ambulance to the hospital. Didn't know what was going on. Turns out it was kidney stones, and uh, he tried to play through it yesterday, but uh, withdrew from the of the travelers. Yeah, so uh, you know, let's uh, hope that Mackenzie Hughes. I mean, he gave us uh, he gave us almost too much info on his statement. <laughs> <laughs> right down to the size of the kidney stone. We didn't need that, Mac. We didn't need that. We watched Wyndham Clark last week, and we're all like, "Man, that guy's got stones." Yes, no, no. <laughs> Mac Hughes has got stones, uh, four millimeter stones to be exact. So. Uh, I don't know that I ever want to say I hope I can pass a stone, um, but Mac Hughes, uh, we hope you can pass your stone. And uh, that's the golf war report for today. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all angry otter locations end of the workday treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit uh let's take a look at the menu brought to you by the dutch bc's best breakfast and uh we hope that you took care of your dad's uh last weekend at uh father's day and uh, don't forget there's never a bad time to take your mom or your dad to brunch at the dutch visit the menu at the dutch.com Hashtags and prices right coming up in just a moment's time. And then hashtags, maybe another big soccer tournament coming to North America, coming to our shores, mm. perhaps. It's Friday, so that means a visit from the one and only Rick Dollywall. We'll see what he's got in store for us. Uh, plus, of course, any errors and omissions over the past 24 hours as well. We'll be more than willing to take our lumps for that and uh, face the music. So, uh, big day ahead. Don't forget, you can send us feedback at any point. But right now, it's time for The Price is Right, brought to you by Northlands Golf Course. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. The specialty warm-up jerseys may not be worn on the ice this season in the NHL, but let's hope that's not the end of them entirely. 
the NHL may have cowards at the top, but I sure hope the Canucks are brave and know who their constituents are and just keep on keeping on. You know, last season there were over 1,100 players that set foot on National Hockey League ice. Over 700 regular everyday players. And less than 10 voiced opposition to Pride Night. And again, let's make this abundantly clear. This is about Pride Night. There was no voiced opposition to any other cultural night or fundraising night against disease or even military appreciation night, which is notable because we are in wartime and Russian players have even wore U.S. military jerseys. Yeah, but Pride Night, heavens no. It's Pride Night where the message is that all are welcome. That's it. That's the message. Contrary to many on the internet that will tell you that it's some sort of recruitment tactic to a different life. And by the way, that's what it is. It's just life. It's not a it's not a choice. It's really not a quote-unquote lifestyle even. It's just life. But the rough-and-tumble NHL is scared of upsetting a handful of people. The Canucks stars spoke at length about this. Even the Americans, who often get painted unfairly with a broad conservative brush, Quinn Hughes got the idea. He was amongst the most supportive on the hockey is for everyone theme. Matthew Kachuk in Florida, of all places, said the same sorts of things. Super supportive. And ultimately, does the NHL honestly think it won't be a talking point this season? Commissioner Gary Bettman has said the Knights are free to continue, but they were a distraction. Well, you don't think players will continue to get asked their thoughts on all this as Pride Nights come and go? It's not going away, Gary. The distraction could ultimately even be bigger now. So for the Canucks, keep on keeping on. Celebrate Pride, First Nations, Diwali, all of them with the same vigor you always have. Give us those fabulous designs that you've done so well with in the past. Create the uniform still for the fans to enjoy. And I beg you to make them more accessible. Lower the price and show the league what a success this kind of campaign can be. Be an agent for change, perhaps. Know your market. Know your fans. And show your pride in a fan base that, for the most part, believes that hockey should be for everyone. That's The Price is Right. Any feedback, send it to the Great Clips inbox, 778-402-9680. Great Clips is the official hair salon of the NHL. Greatclips.com to find the salon nearest you. And The Price is Right is brought to you by Northlands Golf Course. Tea times booked 90 days in advance. The summer weather's upon us. Loyalty program as well. You could be golfing for free in no time. Details at golfnorthlands.com. Time for hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, but wanted to remind you uh, about your mortgage. I know it's kind of a bad thing to remind you, but it's expiring kind of soon, isn't it? Maybe it's expired already. Talk to Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. When you lock in your rate, you get it for 120 days. And if the rate goes down, guess what? You just you go and get the new rate. The rate goes up, you still get your original rate. Why wouldn't you do that? And with the housing market heating up, get your pre-approval. Makes your offer a lot stronger. Go to jason.mortgage. Okay, Jeff, get us started. All right. Uh, did you catch the get-up that Grady Dick, the 
Toronto Raptors first pick, the 13th overall in the draft last night. See what he was wearing, the red sequin? Rather extravagant, yep. All right, so this is from Matt Goldich. He's a writer uh, for Late Night with Seth Meyers. Drafted 13th, but could move into the top 10 after the free skate. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's got some swagger, this kid. Um, Must be the name. Yeah, with it's with an E though. It's yeah, yeah. I'm changing mine. There's uh, all sorts of dad jokes. I don't want you to change your wardrobe. Forget <laughs> yeah. your name. I mean, I, I. This has to be considered a little bit of a surprise, isn't it? Like I, I heard nothing about this guy, you know, around this draft pick. But um, I, I didn't go as deep into the NBA draft as I do the National Hockey League draft. But um, out of Kansas, 13th overall, the Raptors have some pretty infamous draft picks in their first round of their history. Is Grady Dick going to be another one of those? We'll find out. But um, he is something to behold, Grady Dick. Uh, This one from at Henry Bushnell, soccer writer for Yahoo. The first edition of the expanded Club World Cup, 32 teams in 2025 is coming to the United States. Uh, the Club World Cup has sort of been a, I don't know about an afterthought, but it's not a vastly covered tournament. Um, but they're trying to make it a bigger tournament. They're trying to, I mean, hey, in the world of content, they're just trying to create more content out of this whole thing. I thought you were going to say in a world of trophies. Yeah, <laughs> there's that too. Um, but a chance for, of course, the CONCACAF Champions League winner to go to the Club World Cup has always been there. But is there going to be more coming out of CONCACAF? Um, that's going to be interesting. And with the Club World Cup coming to the United States, I would suggest that that's most likely. Um, it would have to be quite a couple of years here for the Whitecaps to be involved in that, but never say never. And it is officially going to the United States, but they haven't announced any any host venues. Would This is supposed to be a warm-up, of course, for the 2026 actual World right. Cup. Is there a chance maybe BC Place could find their way into that? I wonder. Hmm. It's a big, big venue. It would be a way to test the turf. Right, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's a question for Victor Montaliani the next time we have him on the show. Uh, I've got one from at Campbell Tally. This is Tally Campbell. He's the general manager of the Coquitlam Express of the BC Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to announce all of our specialty jerseys for the upcoming season, which will include pride, autism acceptance, diabetes awareness, breast cancer awareness, and more. Wearing them while raising awareness, inclusiveness, and funds for different organizations. Yeah, the NHL can take those things away from their member clubs, but the BC Hockey League, good on them. So uh, good on the Coquitlam Express and and Telly Campbell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Cannot shy away from this sort of thing. At San Jose Sharks. This might be our biggest signing since 1997. The Sharks have hired Patrick Marlowe as a player development coach and hockey operations advisor. Um, I, I only bring this up uh, just because it falls in line with what the Canucks have done with a lot of the their glory day ex-players. Um, it's making me feel old, Jeff, and I don't appreciate <laughs> this. Like when all the players that we covered sort of right in the heart of our careers – they're now going to the front office. Um, we are officially old, just in case that needed underlining. I remember watching Patrick Marlowe as a 16- and 17-year-old oh down in Seattle in the uh, old Western Hockey League days. So, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, a shark legend through and through. I know he's being inducted into the San Jose Sports Hall of Fame later this year, and I guess not a surprise that uh, uh, a guy with that strong a connection to that organization sort of brought back into the fold. You got one to finish this off? I do. Our uh, buddy Matt Baker of the BC Lions at Bakes Takes 84. He was there in Winnipeg last night documenting uh, the Lions' good win. This would be the first Bombers home loss to a Western Division opponent since the 2018 Banjo Bowl against Saskatchewan. They don't lose an awful lot on home turf in Winnipeg, or at least they haven't in the last five years, uh, especially to Western opponents. So, uh, again, just another layer to what the BC Lions accomplished last night and in the early going here in this CFL season. I, I know the, the Argos won the Grey Cup, but um, that wasn't entirely expected. It's been a while since Toronto or Vancouver were juggernauts mm-hmm. in the league. Uh, I wonder what that'll what that'll look like. You know, I, I mean, it'll it has the potential. I don't want to get overly excited here, but you know, if the Lions can get to five and zero, six and zero, and that's not too gaudy in the football world, we see teams get out of the gate really. And I'm not suggesting a perfect season in, in any way after three and zero, but you can get to six and zero relatively easily. I mean, we've seen that happen. What does that do for attendance at BC Place? Like, are we talking about regularly opening the opening the upper bowl? Like, can we get that momentum to that point? Do you think? Look, the LL Cool J show was well received. It created the buzz that they yeah. expected. But you're not getting a concert before every game. Ultimately, it is the product on the field yeah. that's going to sell this football team. And uh, the 3-0 and start, the way that they're doing it, you know, all these questions about Vernon Adams stepping in, trying to fill the shoes of Nathan Rourke. But it really it looks like the defense is the, the strength and the backbone of this team. So can you sell a defense? You know, they always say offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. We'll see. But I, I do think, uh, yeah, I mean, best case scenario would be that they, you know, extend this Season opening win streak, as you said, five, six. I don't mm-hmm. want to get too far here, but um, yeah, I, 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 like I, I want to see what does that buzz look like. I would say, yeah, I think at some point, if they are, you know, if they're unbeaten, if they have one loss on their record around Labor Day, I would think that uh, they'd be a pretty big story in this town. And that's hashtags for today. Harrison Price featuring Jeff Patterson from the Wall Center downtown, and it's all brought to you by Bodog, Bodog line of the day, and two of the most entertaining MLS clubs going toe-to-toe tomorrow, Nashville and Columbus. I'm going to hit the over. It's two and a half. They're getting three goals out of that match for sure. Minus 122 on Nashville and Columbus getting me three goals at least in your Bodog line of the day. Just needed to stick and make it hard. That's all. I'm not pumping the agents all the time. Maybe the best invention in, in the history of mankind was gel. It's beautiful. Once again, from Donnie and Dolly on Czech Television, our Friday NHL insider, Canucks insider, Rick Dolly Wall. How are you, Rick? Uh, very good, gentlemen. Uh, this is it. Uh, the draft next week, and then July first. Uh, this this is the busy time, and of course the trade deadline as well, and uh, just uh, so many items to get to get into right now. So, you guys, where do you want to start, Ethan Bear? 
Well, well I, hey, before we do that, Dolly, just give the people a sense. Do you ever let your phone run down like under 10% no, at this point no, in terms of the battery? No, I, I took a call. I texted. I was texting with an agent last night at midnight. Um, I, I just right now it's it's 14, 15 hour days for me. I, I just no sleep uh, trying to find out what this hockey team. It, it just the invention of the cell phone and then the invention of texting are two things that really, really, really help me out. Because I can text a guy in Russia or Finland or Sweden. It's so easy now, guys. Um, I know uh, I know. there's a lot of you know stuff that's hurting mainstream media right now, but uh, there's also a lot of stuff that's helping us. But no, Jeff, it, this is it. I mean, I'm in my glory. This is nonsense. I got up this morning, first thing, I checked my text, had a couple agents back east texting, and then text them back and... This is it, buddy. Get ready. Buckle up. The next two weeks are going to be fun. You ever lose your phone? Like, I'm just trying to imagine, Rick, yeah, do you ever go through it. that panic of losing your phone? I almost dropped it in uh, the, the the toilet the other day. But not <laughs> oh, wow. it, accidentally. It almost slipped. Uh, so I was freaking out there. That's my you were you, you were texting while taking a leak, <laughs> weren't you? Be honest. <laughs> that's it. Don't tell anyone. But anyways, uh, that's yeah. I lost it. Almost lost it. Almost lost. It. A little tip for you: get a get an Apple Watch. Yep. And then you then you can sort of keep the phone in your pocket a little bit more. And if you get a text, your watch will, will buzz you on your wrist, and and you don't have to drop in the toilet anymore. Look at and and you can summon your your phone from your Apple Watch if you've lost the phone. So oh, yeah. you, honestly. Ask uh, ask for it for for Christmas or birthday or something like that, and and. Uh, and it'll help you out here. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to be overly optimistic because I've been yep. so disappointed so many times. It just feels like there's action out there trade-wise going into this draft. Draft's always a little bit fun. There's always something. Yeah. But does it seem a little bit above average because of the lack of cap space and this is the only way to get business and get change done? Yeah, you know what? Uh, tons of talk right now. Uh, you're hearing a lot of stuff, proposals, trades, uh, teams trying to move up, teams trying to, you know, the, the Montreal's trying to, uh, trying to do some stuff, uh, you know, move down. They've obviously got the fifth overall pick, all that stuff. There's a ton of stuff going on, uh, 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 Blake. Uh, there's no question, no question. But before we get to the draft in July 1st, the Canucks got mm-hmm. in-house stuff they got to they got to take care of. I want to start with Ethan Bear. Um, you know, I reported on Monday there's no guarantee the Canucks are going to qualify him at $2.2 million. And if they don't qualify him, he becomes a, a UFA. You know the injury at the World's. You know, six months, it's not good. So that's made the Canucks reconsider what they do with Ethan, right? What if Bear has a setback and it becomes seven months? And then you got to wish after the six, seven months he's in shape and might have to go to Abbotsford. All factors the Canucks have to consider when it comes to Bear. The Canucks, the two sides can still do a one-year deal, but the Canucks would want a lower number, nowhere near his qualifying number for that. They continue to talk uh, to Bear's agent, um, you know, I checked in last night and this morning again. Nothing new to report on the bear front. Pretty quiet, uh, to be honest with you. But it is really going to be interesting and fascinating for me to see what happens with Ethan Bear because this regime spent months and months trying to get Ethan Bear, and they really liked him. And then Jim Rutherford puts him in his season ticket holder uh, letter, and then just look at the the way the world works. One injury. And now everything's that injury has caused a lot of problems uh, when it comes to that contract. So we'll keep an eye on Ethan Bear. Two other quick ones I want to get into: Kyle Burrows, Noah Juleson. They need contracts. The Canucks on Monday made Burrows an offer, but since then I checked in this morning, pretty quiet with Burrows. Noah Juleson, that's the one. 
I think uh, the Canucks really like him. Uh, they really like him a lot. Uh, they felt that, uh, you know, when he came in last year, did a really admirable job. Um, so that's the one I think uh, they're a little bit busier with uh, than the other two. But uh, just on all three of them, nothing is uh, imminent or close. But I did check up on all three of those this morning. Patrick Alvin mentioned Juleson on Wednesday, which I thought was yeah. interesting when he was talking about guys that he was impressed with last year. He doesn't have a contract, and of course, so we're a week out from uh, him hitting the open market. So uh, is your sense that there is a deal to be done there? Yeah, I, I do. They're talking. They're talking. And, you know, may, you know, a lot of these guys, I mean, you know, what are you looking for, though, Jeff? Are you looking for a term, a one-way uh what are you looking for? And then you're looking for a raise. He did play with Quinn Hughes, guys. Um, I, I think there was uh, Rick Tocca made a comment uh, during a practice that uh, uh, Quinn Hughes really enjoys playing with Noah Juleson. So, and if Juleson hits the free agent market in capital letters, if, and I'm only saying if, because we have to, when we talk about UFAs, we have to say if. Um, I, I could see a, a, a lot of interest in Noah Juleson on July 1st. I'll leave it at that. Hey, Dolly, you floated the name Carson Soucy earlier in the week and said that the Canucks had some interest there. What's your buddy Jerry Johansson going to be able to get him on the open market? There's going to be a lot of teams in on Carson uh, Soucy. I'm going to tell you. Okay, so let's go to July 1st. I I think the Canucks, we all know they need a third-line center and a defenseman, right? So, But I also think um, the Canucks got their eyes on those two positions with penalty killing in mind. They have to improve the PK. You can't continue to be dead last or near the bottom five in PK every year. It's impossible to be there and not and have growth as an organization. They got last year, Curtis Lazar, July first, is going to improve the PK didn't happen. I believe this year they're going to try to sign some guy. Carson Susi size, physicality, six five two oh eight career high for hits with one forty three. He's got Rick Tockett-type defenseman written all. If he hits the market, uh, he's going to have a lot of teams after him. And, uh, you know, I, I that's the type of guy. When, when Rick Tockett raved about the Las Vegas blue line, well, guess what? That's the blue line that, that won the Stanley Cup, right? So they're pretty big and mobile and fast. And uh, I think Carson Soucy, if he hits the free agent market, would be a guy uh, the Canucks would look after. Uh, now let's go to the center position. Uh, we know they need a centerman, right? Um, if Evan Rodriguez isn't re-signed in Colorado, that's a guy. Canucks tried to get him last summer. Alvina Rutherford know him from their days in Pittsburgh. Right shot, kills penalties. 16 goals last year, 19 the year before. Um, you know, they've shown interest in him in the past. And then now this one. And it's the hot-button topic in, in Vancouver. Milan Lucic, the Flames have given his agent uh, permission to talk to teams. I, I, I believe the Canucks have discussed Lucic. It's their job. It is the job of every franchise to discuss every UFA. He's a local kid. We know what he brings. Canucks haven't had that element in their game since Derek Dorsett. It's okay, folks, for the Canucks to discuss Milan Lucic. It's not against the law for crying out loud. Oh, my God, they're, they're better not. You know, it, calm down, everybody. It's, it, they're allowed to discuss him and talk about him. You know, he, he's a guy that would, you know, obviously fill a need for the Canucks. They've been, when's the last time a team said, oh, geez, we're going to Vancouver. Oh, boy, it's going to be a tough night. They haven't been the hardest team to play against for a few years. And Milan would bring, uh, keep everyone honest. We know that. I'm not saying he's coming here, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's okay for the Canucks to investigate that. And I think they've investigate. That's their job to do that, guys.
I will, okay, it, would, it, would ha- it would have to be with an understanding he's not playing every night. And he's not correct. He's not. You're not giving yeah. six and six. You're not. It, no. It's going to be a cheap deal. He's got to want to play in Vancouver. He just played six years in Alberta, and in in an interview this year, he talked about how taxing it was to play in Calgary and Edmonton with a big contract. He heard the noise on social media. He heard the noise in the media. It, it was taxing, right? And and Canadian markets are not for everybody. So he's got to want to play in Vancouver. In his hometown. The big question for me when it comes to the Canucks is he an everyday player? Uh, if he does get healthy scratched, how does he react to that? Those are the questions Canucks have to ask mm-hmm. themselves. But I'm, no one is saying they're going to sign Lucic, but it's okay to investigate and talk about players, you know. Hey, Rick, Patrick Alvin caught a lot of people off guard, I think, on Wednesday with the first positive news that we've heard on Tanner Pearson in a long time. D- did that mesh with anything that you've heard in back yeah. channels on Pearson and his, his recovery? You trying to get me in trouble, Jeff? <laughs> 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 uh, I, I I was I, I I was surprised at how positive he, he talked, but I do know one thing. Um, you know, everyone talks about LTIR LTIR with Tanner Pearson and, and Tucker Pullman, but I do believe that the Canucks did say one thing that was correct. If he's ready to go, uh, he will be given ample opportunity at training camp to come in and. And, and there's another big body, right? And, you know, one of the players that Travis Green raved about a lot when he was in Vancouver was was Tanner Pearson. And he always called him a, a mature pro who's been there. He's won a cup. He's gone deep in the playoffs. Yeah, very liked in the Canucks dressing room. There's a lot of things to like about. So a lot of times um, fans and media will rip players because of contracts, but we really don't realize that, you know what, it, it, you, you shouldn't just rip and tear because of the contract. The player signed the contract, but it was the GM and the owner on the other side who okayed the contract. If you want to rip anyone, rip the team for signing a player. We are like the players. We look for jobs that have the most money. You know, I, I don't ever remember, other than Blake Price in radio, everyone said Price was overpaid, but I don't remember uh, people talking about in radio, oh, uh, this guy's overpaid or this guy's... 99% of the public is taking the money when they go for a new job. These players are no different. Don't rip the player for the money making rip the team for giving him you know six times six and he and if he doesn't live up to it great but at the end of the day um tanner pearson's a pretty well respected uh, uh player around the national hockey league and if he is healthy and ready to go guys he'll be at training camp just for frame of reference overpaid in radio means eight bucks an hour so uh, if, if 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 that's overpaid then yes yeah, I was, so you I was were overpaid at eight, in radio which if you yeah. were at eight that means we were at 350. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. None first, of it was good. My first ever job at Anis, on Annis's Island, we're going back to the uh, mid-80s, was for $3.50 at uh, A&Z Sponge, if anybody remembers that. Little Ricky worked at A&Z Sponge. A&Z Sponge. Um, Annis's Island. I work I, – I was two seventy five an hour at a convenience store, so I've got you beat. And, and here's another one for you. So that's three fifty. My first job that would have been the mid eighties or eighty three, eighty four, and then my first radio job was not much better than three fifty. No, <laughs> it was. I think it was three fifty take home, and that was in eighty nine. Three fifty take home every two weeks. Nighttime DJ. Tire fire in Calgary these days. Tyler Toffoli amongst oh, those expressing. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, can I? Well, I was just going to say he liked it here. I mean, I can't imagine a trade within division, but I mean, uh, we know Tyler Toffoli liked it in Vancouver. Well, I, my eyes not on Tyler Toffoli. I don't care mm-hmm. what you say, Blake. My eyes on there's seven UFAs possibly in the next year uh, for the Calgary Flames. My eyes on Chris Tanev. What happens with Chris Tanev? 
because um, you know I, I wonder if you know the, there could ever be a re you know reuniting with Tanev in Vancouver. And I'll tell you why. Look, if Hannafin leaves, he apparently wants to play in a US, U.S. market. That's going to be good news for Tanev because you know his stock goes up, right? It, 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 if Hannafin leaves. The ton of stock goes up because he's a UFA in just over a year. I don't. I haven't really looked into if the Canucks would be interested in Toffoli or not. But um, you know what? Again, more wingers. Uh, Blake, uh, we well, we, that, that would that would be that would be a, well either a winger for a winger trade. Oh, uh, maybe a, a I, I thought you meant if yeah. the UFA market. Yeah, no, I, no. I, I haven't looked into Toffoli, but uh, all he ever does is score. He's not the fastest guy in mm-hmm. the world, but he's got uh, great hockey sense. He led the Flames in goals last year um he plays for all he's a great uh uh uh, great teammate uh really was well liked in vancouver he was remember after the bubble all these guys left markstrom tanev foley stretcher stretcher sorry um he was one of the guys that wanted to stay he had clearly told his agent at the time i want to stay in vancouver but the cap situation was it's amazing to me guys five years after the bubble cap situation we're in the same mess still in vancouver (laughs) will there ever come a time in the city where they're not in cap hell well, I mean, they're not in hell right now, but they're in, they're in purgatory because they know that there's still more cap cap hits coming. Now, Blake, they, the only reason they got cap space is because they bought OEL out. Yeah, it's yeah, not my money. That yeah. was a week ago, Blake. The only reason they have cap space is because they bought out OEL. Like, give your head a shake. I mean, you know, and now, now. <laughs> Why do I have to give my head a shake? I'm agreeing you with said, you. said uh, they got cap space. I'm telling you, they only got the cap space a week ago today. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but that but that was that was at their disposal. So they 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 uh, chose to spend the money. Yeah, yeah. but uh, you know, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. They were in cap hell a week ago, and they got mm-hmm. out of it. Just, you know, and somewhat with uh, you know the OEL buyout. But uh, they can be right back. They can be right back in it a week from now. They after, could be. Uh, You're right. Well, I guess a week and a day. Yeah, yeah. A week and a day. A if they don't from. spell, if they don't spend, uh, you know, they got to avoid. Um, you know, the Beagle, Russells, Ericsson's, and, you know, Gagne. It amazes me that Gagne never gets enough. Uh, they, it, it, Benning never gets enough heat for the Gagne signing. A year and a half after he played uh, signed with the Vancouver Canucks, he was playing for the Toronto Marlies. Nobody ever talks about that, that that was just as bad as Beagle, Russell, and Ericsson. None of them good. Not so if they if they improve, they want to they want to be a playoff team. If they improve, do you think it's via the free agent market or via trade, which is more likely oh, in uh, free uh, agent US. because they know they got the money to play with, and uh, you know, and they got to wait for all. You got to wait for July first. You know, you got to wait to see who's available, who's not. Everyone's got a wish list right now. You don't think every team's got a wish list on July first of the guys they're going to go after? Of course they do. You know, we can speculate who they're going to go after on July 1st, but they, they have a pretty good idea who they're going to go after on July 1st. So let's get to the draft first, guys. I want to bring up sure. uh, Patrick Elvin said he wants to move up in the draft. Um, is it to try and get Russian Metvey Mishkov? Uh, the Canucks like this player a lot. I uh, believe they've already interviewed him. I would be surprised. I would not be surprised if they get uh, an interview with Mishkov at the draft next week. He played with uh, Kuzmenko, guys, last year in Russia. So there's a little familiarity with them. Um, Canucks are also going to interview Russian defenseman Dmitry Simashev at the draft. Many think he's the best uh, defenseman at the draft. Some teams are leery 
uh, taken Russians. Uh, both uh, Simashev and Michkov have term on their contract in Russia, so a lot of th- that scares teams, right, guys? But uh, Canucks don't seem to be uh, scared of that situation right now. And, I, and, and let me tell you something else. Please, there's nothing more infuriating than seeing people say, let's give Hoglander, Rathbone, and Pod Colson a move up from 11 to 7. Please, just stop. Stop. All three of those guys were in Abbotsford. That is not what it's going to take to move up from 11 to 7. It, it's going to take an impact player, a young player, a high draft pick. Nobody at 7 is saying, give us Hoglander and Rathbone and Pod Colson, three guys that ended up season playing in Abbotsford, and, and you, you, okay, Vancouver, go from 11 to 7. Come on, guys. It's, if you want to get up to that real estate, that elite real estate in the top 10, it's going to cost you a lot more, a lot more than that. Does LeCarrie Mackey do it? Well, does Seelovs do it? Well, yeah, Mackey had a tough year. He just had a really good ending, right, guys? Um, mm-hmm. He had a tough year. So, But I um, also want to tell you this. One, the one player the Canucks like but no one in this market talks about is Vancouver Giants forward Samuel Hanzik. But the key with Hanzik is what do the Canucks think about his injury this year? Remember he had the torn Achilles tendon after the World yeah. Juniors? Uh, major injuries in a draft year. They play a role in what a team thinks of that player, even though, you know what, it's only this year and you're going to draft him. And, he, you know, it still plays a role. I was told by a, a significant scout this week that, look, uh, the Canucks like Hanzik. They love love his size and his skill. Love his size. Yeah, yeah love his size. He's a really big kid. Uh, he's got tremendous skill. And when you look at uh, pre-draft or whatever you call it, the draft previews, Hanzik's all over the map. Some In some you see him in top 10, some top 15, some top, some top 20. This is a good kid, good player in Vancouver with the Giants. So the Canucks really like him, but the biggest question is, what do the scouts think of that injury? Uh, Canucks also very high on Tom Willander, Nate Danielson, and Dalibor Dvorsky. Uh, Danielson's a guy I hear that uh, they got ranked a lot. I think I told you guys last week, but they got him ranked a lot higher than some other teams. Uh, they just love him, uh, the kid in Brandon with the Wheat Kings. Uh, Rick, great stuff. Uh, the only thing, NBA draft. Did you pay attention to the NBA draft uh, at all last night to see who the Raptors got? Who the Raptors get? You, I could tell you second by second how many uh, seconds. I, zero, zero, zero seconds yeah. watching that. You didn't see who the Raptors drafted? Some guy in a red, glitzy, John Travolta-type <laughs> Saturday Night Fever outfit. It's got a great name, Ricky. Yeah, yeah you did like, just look it up. What do you mean? Oh, the Dick guy. Yeah, yeah, Dick. Yeah, his last name is Dick. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Could be a spy. What's could, his first name? Could be Come a cider spokesman. Uh, just, just well, telling okay. you. That's all. I, I spend I, all my days looking, trying to find out who the Canucks are taking. I could care less who the Raptors are taking. Is that Grady okay. Scott in the background? Like, are you yeah, it is. Yeah. Come on, man. I don't give a, a rat's ass about the NBA draft. It's got zero. It's, it, zero. Hey, by the way, I was watching the Lions game last night, and mm-hmm. how great is that? Come on, everybody, get back behind the Lions and let's get to fill that lower bowl. Uh, for the Lions, what a great effort last night. The defense and Vernon Adams is making you forget about uh, Nathan Rourke. Uh, I, uh, this Lions team, uh, I was watching the Lions game. I couldn't turn it off. It really solid effort by the Lions. Um, you know, so you know it's been since uh, guys, uh, Bobby Ackles, uh, you know, uh, Wally Buono, Dickinson, Printers. Since that era, um, I think if they can get back to what those guys did. I think it's some good times ahead for the Lions. And, of course, they got the Grey Cup next year in Vancouver. So really happy to see them doing well. And uh, it was Lots of optimism. Yeah, lots of optimism. And, you know, takes me back to my empire days. You know, Mervyn Fernandez, Roy DeWalt, 
little Ricky sitting in the end zone watching those two toss. You know, Al Wilson, uh, you know, uh, Glenn Jackson, uh, Rick Klassen, Mac Moore, Larry Key, John Henry White. I, I miss uh, the, the, the Lions uh, back in the Empire. It was some great glory days back then. And we know you paid for your own ticket because you were making three fifty an hour <laughs> at that point. Rick, thank you for this. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you a week from now with a ton of information on the eve of free agency, yes. no less. Yes. Looking forward to it. Adios, amigos. So Harrison Price from the Wall Center. Looking back to yesterday, our errors and omissions. And normally this is the kind of thing we say after Jeff's been co-hosting, but we got nothing. Nothing. We got nothing. Best behavior. And wow. Jeff, Matt was even here, and we we, <laughs> we seem to have nothing. So we'll pat ourselves on the back for that and move straight to your Bodog line of the day. What do you got? I love this. Uh, I mean, we're really hours after the uh, the NBA draft last night. They already got Victor Wembanyama specials at Bodog for the upcoming season, his rookie season. Average points per game for the number one pick in the draft. If you think he's going over 18.5 per game, they've got him at minus 150. Under, if there's a steep learning curve, you can get him at plus 110. While we're on the topic, and that's your Bodog line of the day, Bodog, your trusted source for sports odds. Um, did you see that there's a bit of a groundswell movement for the return of the NBA to Vancouver here? The van back? I caught wind of it briefly, yes. All you have to do is pledge to buy a t-shirt for $200 million, <laughs> and they're going to sell 15 of them but and, and say, hey. Top we, quality cotton. 100% they're cotton. They're very nice. Very soft. They don't shrink in the wash. And if they sell 15 of them, they will consider that a $3 billion collection, and we are ready. Boom. Make it Expansion happen. franchise. At least this now puts to rest, because any time I've ever um, had the question thrown at me, hey, do you think the NBA will come back to Vancouver? As, as I've always said, I've seen no inkling from anybody, from anywhere, that they are willing to do that, to buy it. I guess this is something. I mean, it seems really ad hoc and sort of without any backbone, but I guess it's something. Will there be a documentary made about this group? About the great Van Back campaign? <laughs> someday, I, d- despite my my, uh, my pessimism, my skepticism, maybe someday that will be a documentary. Remember, you didn't believe, and Van Back brought them back. Uh, I will uh, believe it when we see it, nevertheless. Anyways, uh, folks, have yourselves a fabulous weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you on Monday from the Wall Center. It's Karis and Price. Don't forget to support the, all the local brands that you hear us talking about, and we'll talk to you Monday.